Hey Headmoshers, this is a short story in the William Burroughs cut-up style called Skunk Cabbage. He chased the balloons, glancing toward the sky and banging down back roads. All the while, I fiddled with the radio windows all the way down. Because I was young and he still wasn't that old, it was one of the last things we did together. My aunt and fiancé were up there somewhere. There were lots of balloons, and it was August and hot. We drove near the river and watched one of the balloons coming down. A mud-rutted two-track ran up next to the river. The basket dipped down into the river, but it wasn't my aunt. That afternoon, we made huge stacks of branches and poured gasoline at the very bottom of the pile. Don't tell Grandma. Lit a stick and whoosh. It was early spring, and the whole woods is a wet pile of leaves, snow dirt, and deer droppings. We built swamp bridges until dinner. One of them led to a little spot by the pond where the water ran out and the skunk cabbage grew in huge patches. The sky turned green before dinner, and my grandmother worried about tornadoes. She lived through the Flint Worcester outbreak, and Michigan doesn't even get many tornadoes, she'd say. Grandpa ignored her and went straight into the house. I gave Grandma a hug and followed them. I knew the routine. Two big bowls of ice cream, grab a Coke too. Then he started down the basement stairs, past the uneven pool table, stepping over the bags of water softener, way in the back to the bomb shelter. We sat down. I picked up a picture of my aunt. She looked just like your mom, he said. They could have been twins. So that piece of writing is based in my grandparents' house, and there's some cut-up parts to it where it kind of shifts time, and so. But I think it goes together really well. I like it as a piece. Um, it's and there's two pieces of paper that are cut up and put onto a third piece of paper. That one's called skunk cabbage. Today is one of those days where I'm overthinking it. It's one o'clock and I'm usually done with the podcast by now, but I'm overthinking it and thinking about William Bur- William Burroughs though um, and the, the cut up method where he would write things and then cut them up and put them back together. And I've I've also enjoyed trying this process out and I was digging through old writing where I did the cut up process and kind of reorganized thing and I came across this one piece and it's based on something that really happened so I'm going to read part of that there was a day where a van pulled up in front of our house and a sliding door opened and nothing about it made any sense there was a man and a woman holding a Doberman they pulled up in a rusted conversion van and asked if I knew where Richmond Street was, which was about 50 yards behind them. And my dad opened the door. It seemed like a dream. He opened the front door behind me about halfway between the road and the house. And I was standing there, and I suddenly realized I was in more danger than I'd ever been in my life. So there's more to that after that, but um, 
I also was thinking about times in in my life where I've kind of escaped with uh, a scratch or nothing really bad that's happened. Um, and I often those those things show up in my my creative writing or personal writing um, journals. And the other thing I notice when I'm looking back through my old writing is if I tell a story that I've written about, it tends to be told in the same way. Even if I'm telling it out loud, it's as if my brain somewhere remembers how I wrote the story in the first place and it pulls out the same pieces. I'm sure other people have noticed this too when they've looked through old things or or writing where the details may change slightly but the the gist of the story stays the same. There's another piece of writing that I found um, about a closet in my um, parents' house. They moved out of now, but I used to keep old art stuff, and I just love it. was a really cool, weird space. It had um, really sloped ceilings, so it was really short, and no one would go back there. So I just keep all my artwork and collectible, crazy pack rat stuff in there. Um, so I want to read a little bit of that right here. Um, there's a closet in my parents' house in Michigan that has one door. It opens to a main part of a closet, and in that closet is extra linens. My grandfather's World War II army jacket and pants, trophies, books from over the years, lots of books. Ones I've saved from my father's collection that he bought, maybe never read. I like to save things. I have my grandfather's records old 10-inch Sinatra, Louis Armstrong, one special one by Naki Parker. The one, This one is a cover of an illustration from my grandfather. It's a blue background with a simple stick stylized guy playing the piano, but also the energy and has a sort of a Miro look to it. The piano keys are floating all over the place and there's also my yearbooks, black boxes of smaller artworks and prints, things that I think have potential. And then the second door opens into an unfinished space. It's a five-sided trapezoid with some carpet over most of the wood floor. All the walls, all along the walls are intaglio zinc plates, litho screens of thin metal, printmaking, oil stick paintings, lots of abstract energetic flailing. There's some of it that also has potential. There's a painting on a basketball backboard from Mayfield. It was from the hoop that sat in the water for playing and swimming. It hung in the Arts Council for a show in 2004. I remember driving by and seeing it through the window. This is a piece of writing about flying kites next to Lake Michigan. We had three or four kites that looked like parachutes. Eight-foot flexifoils stacked with bits of string. I was eight, and we would fly them at the state park next to Lake Michigan. They were bright, fluorescent colors, neon green, yellow, and pink. The kite line was 200-pound line, screaming in the wind. When the wind really gets blowing 50 miles and up, it would drag down, drag my father down the beach. A funny thing to see your dad getting dragged by the force of the wind. Eventually, he would let me try the flexifoils, First time I turned the kite, pulling the handle back hard, it swung and the kite went into the sweet spot. I started to drag. The second time, I was flying down the beach, 10 feet in the air, 
35 feet down the beach, my father's face chasing me with a mix of horror and white excitement. I held on and came down. He grabbed on my waist and we both looked at each other, our scared faces and hearts changed to smiles. Wow, do that again. So we called it kite jumping. We both loved it. He watched me flying down the beach and my 90 pound frame becoming a kite in the winds off Lake Michigan.